Hello and welcome back to Cinephiles, the world's number one John Cena film review program. We are back, and I just like a couple episodes ago, we're not alone. Folks, Mike and I, you know, you get us every time. But you know what? Today, we are joined by someone else who is brilliant. We'll get to her in just a second. But we are here to discuss a cinematic career of the Doctor of Thugonomics, the 16-time world champion, best-selling author, TV show host, and overall sentient meme machine himself, John Cena. But yes, today we are joined by the magical Courtney Rose, an amazing friend of mine who is a, libra a librarian and has podcasted a number of projects in the past, and I cannot wait to see what she does next after she's done with us mediocre guys. So, without further <laughs> ado, Courtney... Um, I was got. I gotta ask you the same question we sort of ask everybody. Can you remember what it was like to first see or figure out or try to understand what the heck John Cena is? Um, I think the first time I saw John Cena, I just heard like the chorus of angels uh, singing upon me, and it was felt like Christmas Day because John Cena is everything. Um, so yeah, it's just John Cena is equivalent with just like the joy of life. Uh, factually accurate. I think, um, you know, if we were all honest with ourselves, I think everybody else would have a similar reaction. But, you know what? People lie to themselves, and that's a really sad thing about life. But, at, now that with that introduction out of the way, Mike, we gotta go to the Wikipedia corner. What's up with Ferdinand? Because this is a completely <laughs> new kind of movie for us after the Hanna-Barbera double feature we've just gone through. Oh, yeah. So, I... Boy, do I have some stats for y'all in our in our Wikipedia minute. So again, this is Ferdinand, the 2017 animated film. Uh, apparently, this movie was announced way back in May 2013, which is uh, kind of wild. But uh, as far as how it did in the box office, it grossed, grossed 84.4 million dollars in the U.S. and Canada, 211.6 million in other countries. So almost 300 million dollars worldwide against a production budget of 111 million so it made its money pretty successful another fun fact i didn't know until just now it actually came out at the same time as star wars the last jedi uh <laughs> which is all the more impressive that it, it did those kind of numbers so it had some tough competition um i think it's there's much less uh this movie is much less polarizing i think it's fair to say than the last jedi but arguably just as good because the last jedi rules yes uh but uh, yeah, as far as, and this is also one of the highest rated John Cena films we've covered yet. I think maybe actually the mm -hmm. highest rated according to Rotten Tomatoes. It's sitting at a 72% on the tomato meter, which I think is like double whatever the last film <laughs> that was on here. Uh, uh, the, the the animated films, the, uh, the cartoons weren't on RT. I think like 12 rounds and Legendary were maybe in like the 30s, maybe even less. So uh, yeah, the highest rated film as far as critical response goes that we're going to be covering here. And looking at the studios behind it, this is also a big break um, and a big break from the rule, the for the format for John, because this is the first movie that doesn't have a WWE Studios logo at the front of it that we've seen this entire time. So we've gone through the likes of Legendary, 12 Rounds, The Marine, and now we are out of the WWE Studios factory because John is breaking out of kayfabe. He's in his, yeah. He's a real boy now. And this, <laughs> yeah, this film, uh, this was produced by Blue Sky Studios, I believe, like the Ice Age folks, uh, distributed by 20th Century Fox. So, retroactively, it is now a Disney movie, it's actually on Disney Plus right now, uh, after that whole acquisition. So, yeah, this is, uh, this was John Cena just uh, breaking out of the bullpen, as it were. 
Uh, I got to work alongside this man for a number of years. Y'all, you don't know what it's like to have the puns in the corner. Um, But we start off the movie at Casa del Toro because a bunch of bulls are there and they're sort of bull fighting, if you were, locking horns in the ring. Um, It's called a ring. I'm not sure what else to call it, a pen. But when they keep calling it a ring, I'm like, okay, is this a nod to the pro wrestling thing? Do they really call it a ring? But, um, But, and then... The bulls are fighting, and then one nice and not angry bull walks tiptoes, practically tiny little boy, out of the uh, out of the shadows with a bucket of water in his mouth, a bucket that we'll see later on in the film. And he, this bull dodges, dodges. It's just sort of like Fortnite all the over, and all he wants to do is water a flower. And Courtney, what uh, you have an interesting, you have a deeper connection or knowledge of this movie than we do. So I was wondering if you could talk to us about. What you know, you you knew about this movie outside the movie. Well, it is a beloved children's book, and I'm a librarian, so I've read this book a bajillion and a half times. Um, And I was actually surprised because I didn't know how they would adapt this. I have it here. I I have the book. The cute little little Ferdinand. Oh, nice. Yeah, I own it. So it's cute little Ferdinand. And it's... um, it's such a simple 1930s style story that I was like, I have no idea how they're going to make this into like an actual, when, when you guys were like, oh, let's do this. And I looked at the runtime. I'm like, how? How <laughs> is it possible that this movie could be this long? Because it's only really like maybe 30-ish pages. It's entirely in black and white. Um, they change a lot from the book. <laughs> it's like the central core is the same, but they change a lot. Um, but it's very cute how they adapted it. I think they actually did a really sweet job at it. The, the important things are there. And I believe the uh, the original Disney animation is also on Disney Plus, which I have not watched. But you can also peruse that if you want to go deeper into the Ferdinand rabbit hole. There's almost a Ferdinand cinematic universe. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that near the at the end of the movie. But um, what happens is that there's the the winner's truck is apparently pulled up because the bulls believe that whoever like the bull that's going to go on and leave this pack and go fight the bullfighters is going to actually go be a success. And we meet a bunch of the bulls. Those include um, Guapo, who Peyton Manning (laughs) is the voice of Guapo. That's fun. Um, But then a fast-moving bull named Bones really thinks it's going to be him. And Bones is Anthony Anderson, which is brilliant casting. But then the bulliest of the bulls, Valiente 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 shows up and calls Bones you know why you're called Bones because you're a puny bag of bones Bones and it's like I I have that quote in my notes there is such (laughs) bullying in this movie um yeah but so Bones and Ferdinand goes to help Bones because Ferdinand just is a he's a lover not a fighter and he tries to help him but Bones is just like no we're not on the same we're no no help and then all the bulls mock Ferdinand because he really cares about the flower, and Valiente is gonna gonna squash the flower. But what, Courtney? Like, what is going on here? Can you t- can you explain this? <laughs> um, it's it's just it's very sweet childhood awful bullying. Um, you know the the usual things we all go through. Um, it's very. Uh, it was all new because it's not does that doesn't happen in the book. They kind of are just running around. They don't really bully Ferdinand in the book that much. Um, 
But yeah, I thought it was sweet. This mo- the, To be honest, the movie, when I got about 20 minutes into it, I was like, oh, this is one of those ones that's going to be darker than I thought. Great. Um, kind of a, a thing. Because as soon as the, the next scene happens where the, the father shows up, I immediately was like, oh, no, that's what they're going to do here. I wasn't ready. <laughs> uh, you yeah, might as we well get... think this is a Pixar movie, Mike. What yes. happened next? We yeah. get... <laughs> So we meet, yeah, we, we meet the parents. We meet all the father, the dad, the bigger bulls, the daddy bulls, uh, including Ferdinand. I forget, does Ferdinand's dad just have a name? Is he no, Ferdinand Sr.? Ferdinand's just, father is the name of the character according big. to the sources, but he is voiced by Six Feet Under's own Jeremy Sisto. I saw that too. Uh, yep. So yeah, this, like he's still getting work. This is a star. This is a star-studded cast. Definitely, really? perhaps, perhaps the most star-studded so far. Um, yeah, so we meet all we meet all the bulls' fathers, and they're uh, I think getting ready for an upcoming bullfight. And what eventually happens is Ferdinand's father gets picked to represent in the bullfight. Uh, unfortunately, he does not make it back. So put two and two together, the bullfight did not go well for Ferdinand Senior. But he gives his son this whole "I'm gonna win, and I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna be," a... and if you're a kid. Like I, I just think about like little kids watching this might not know how these things go and might expect something else. But the second you learn that Ferdinand's father is going away, Courtney, you're right. It's like, oh, and it's just yeah. redacted cursing. Um, and Ferdinand's dad tells Ferdinand that you're you'll want to fight when you grow up because it's, they've had the talks already. Ferdinand's not doesn't want to fight, but everybody's like. You gotta. That's the way. But when Ferdinand says it again, I'm not. I, it's just not. And his dad goes, "That's just not how it is for us." And then Ferdinand's dad get on, gets on the truck, and he's gonna show Ferdinand his secret moves after he returns victorious. They lay their heads on each other, and Valiente and his dad just look on angry. And Ferdinand's dad gets driven away, and it's for oh Valiente stomps on the flower, and it's just. And we cut to Ferdinand waiting for his dad. And Courtney, how heartbreaking is this? Uh, well, when you said earlier, Mike, how this movie is now retroactively a Disney movie because mm-hmm. they bought out the studio, I was like, yeah, that makes sense because there's dead parents. So, like, of <laughs> exactly. course it's a Disney movie. Like, it's just full of heartache. And as soon as that, that's, that little bull went away, I was just like, no, no, don't hurt Ferdinand. He's already been through so much by being bullied. Um, yeah, it was surprisingly heartaching. I was really sad. Animated movies just make you sadder, I think, in general, but because you're just like, oh, no, not a cute thing being sad. So, yeah, I was I was really sad. <laughs> and Valiente's dad calls Ferdinand's dad soft. It's mm-hmm. just like <laughs> he's talking. Yeah, he's talking a lot of shit at this point. Yeah. Uh, no sympathy for for poor little Ferdinand. So, uh, yeah, Ferdinand is obviously heartbroken by this. He realizes he's lost his father and he's like, you know what? I've had enough of this. I'm getting out. Um, he breaks out of the Casa del Toro, and he just kind of trying to figure it out, trying to get away, uh, seeing what seeing what else is out there in life. Uh, and he ends up uh, ends up in a barn discovered by a young girl named Nina, who takes a liking to him, and she gives him a flower, which of course is Ferdinand's favorite thing. So uh, he's instantly starts to feel safer. Um, and uh, yeah, they that this kind of becomes his new family. Uh, we we kind of get this montage of Ferdinand growing up at Nina's home, uh, and there's uh, I forget Nina's father's name, but 
he's he's got this he's got a new family there's so there's the typical wholesome kind of disney style song playing in the background which it was very catchy um the we meet paco the dog who's an excellent character uh and yeah this is just kind of things are turning around for ferdinand he got out of he got out of the the bullfighting life found a family and things seem to be going peachy and rosy for now um for uh nina's father her, her, his name is Juan, and that might yes. be because he is voiced by the <laughs> pop star Juan is. That's right. Um, which is just John Cena was John in one of the uh, Marine, I think in Marine. So I mean, everybody can get cast, uh, um, put into this eventually. My favorite moment from the montage, though, um, it's sort of a back to back thing. Uh, Ferdinand pulls his head into the window where uh, Nina's. Uh, doing the dishes or something but the window is cut out of his silhouette with his horn yep it's really cute and then he um is playing with the flowers again and he breathes in deeply and he actually inhales a caterpillar but he sneezes out a butterfly because this movie (laughs) is disney magic and i think in 2021 we can say that ferdinand is a disney princess i'm just gonna put it out there (laughs) i believe that's how gender works um Yeah, yeah But so Ferdinand's also, he's gotten pretty big. Like Ferdinand's yoked now. Um, and it makes sense because we're about to hear he has the voice of one John Cena. But he's too big to go through a door, too. It's like he's got to lay off the pro, the creatine. But he yawns. But that still doesn't wake up the rooster, Jorge. He has to like, dude, wake up. him. And it's kind of like, man, Ferdinand, he's really too happy for his own good. And Courtney, what ha- the chicken this weird (laughs) there's just everything in this movie is like adorable and weird at the same time but like weirdly adorable and i love it and it's just yeah it's cute (laughs) like he takes this chicken and he puts it on a seesaw and he's like gonna like playfully like i guess flip the chicken in the air but he ends up ferdinand doesn't know his own strength and he yeet launches the darn chicken maria (laughs) into the air and into like the stratosphere and i thought she was gonna i thought maria was gonna come down as a fully rotisserie chicken because she would go to the sun but no maria the chicken just floats down and he says too much for disney they cut the line at rotisserie chickens yeah um but ferdinand says to paco see see chickens can fly who says chickens can't fly and paco goes science the interactions between uh, Fernand and Paco are are my favorite uh, because <laughs> so cute. yeah he's every time he calls he's like why does your tail wag he's like oh, Paco yeah, tries to say right. we're not brothers like he's like well why does your tail wag every time I call you brother he's like what are you talking about and you see Paco's tail wagging it's just very cute and wholesome you left off one brother his his line is why does your tail wag when I say brother brother and I'm like <laughs> okay um. They are definitely leaning into the pro wrestler nonsense it's here. So, yeah, yes. The, yeah, it's so pro wrestling. I love it. But they're about to go to a flower festival because that's how wholesome Nina and Ferdinand are. <laughs> but Courtney, they don't think, I guess um, Juan doesn't believe Ferdinand's a good fit for the flower festival. So what happens? Well, he decides to go anyway because he's a cute little bull that loves flowers and decides to go. And then there's always, of course... A montage of things going almost right, but very wrong. And I loved that scene. And it was awesome. <laughs> also, I loved the uh, I loved the, the build-up to him going, because eventually, uh, initially the family leaves without him. Paco, mm-hmm. Paco doesn't want to go at all. He's like, you can't pay me to go. And then, of course, Juan and, and Nina are like, Paco, you're coming. 
Uh, and then John Cena tries to justify, like, okay, if this orange doesn't fall by the time I count to three, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna go. And then the second he breathes, it falls. And there's a month, you know, there's so many of those. Then finally he comes if, up with, like, no, no, no. the chick. If this if this rock is still here when I wake up, when I like when I open my <laughs> eyes, I will not. And then he, uh, somebody runs by and grabs. He goes, "Do you? How would you need that rock right now?" <laughs> and then if this egg doesn't hatch by the time I, and then before he can finish the sentence, the egg starts cracking like it's hatching. Yep. And then he just goes, "What are the?" It's like he fast counts an egg hatching. Yeah. <laughs> but um, then Ferdinand is get unfortunately. He falls on the wrong end of a bee, and he gets his his face covered, and he goes on an accidental rampage. And the mother of a child, which Ferdinand has accidentally latched onto, the mother yells, "That beast has my baby!" To which Ferdinand says, "A beast? Where?" Because and in that moment, I was like, John Cena is loving this movie. You can hear yeah. Yeah. the love of the wholesomeness in the dialogue more than. I think even more than Scooby-Doo. Like, I think even Scooby-Doo, he was sort of just playing along and not really enjoying it. But this is the start of, like, John Cena loving what he's doing in these movies. And just like everybody's they, running. Uh, like that they included the B part because that's the actual, like, uh, crux of how everything starts in the book. So in the book, that's exactly what happens. Is, well, sort of. But what happens <laughs> is they're they're all playing around and the matadors have come to pick the bull and all of the other, the bulls are fighting and running around and stuff. And he, Ferdinand, goes off to the corner because, like, he doesn't want to be a part of this and sits down and accidentally sits on a bee, gets stung, and starts running around like a crazy thing. And then they're like, oh, that bull obviously is is a nutbag. We better pick it. So I thought I thought it was cute how they, like, incorporated the same general theme, but earlier in the film. Uh, so I, I, I liked that they included that in there for a little nod to the, uh, the old school book fans. <laughs> So I have to ask, was Nina even in the book? Don't no, no. Because if they're or if they still have for if the flower festival is as is a creation of the movie, then oh boy, we're gonna be saying this a lot. Um, but when Ferdinand is a before he gets caught, he has his big mistake when he makes the cardinal rule of his kind. He walks into the last place you want to bring a bull. He, yes, I love this. That's One of my favorite great. scenes because Ferdinand literally finds himself in a china shop. He is a bull in a china shop and he's so carefully trying to tiptoe through all the chinaware and not knock anything down. And I believe it's going okay until he sneezes. The uh, shopkeep is dusting. And yeah. up until that point, Ferdinand's been doing okay because when he enters, he says to himself, think thin. A line that he will say repeatedly in the movie. It's one of his mantras, if if you will. Um, but the shopkeep is dusting. And so covered with items because Ferdinand has been... The shopkeep is blind. Let's just admit it. Like, once you get to a certain age, your eyes go, look, mm -hmm. I'm going to be there soon. Um, but <laughs> Ferdinand is covered with items. So if he sneezes, everything's going to go everywhere. And he accidentally breaks the window. And the cops are outside. Or the Whatever those guys are, they see him and... Basically, Ferdinand gets taken away, and the guys who take him away seem to see the truth. They they see him just as a destruction machine, the way that other bulls see him. Because that's the thing about uh, Ferdinand. He's trying to defy society's definitions of him, but everybody else sees it differently. So, Courtney, where does Ferdinand go? He goes back to the 
Casa de, I can't remember the name, Del Toro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yep. where they take him back to, to all of his old stomping grounds, where now there's more crazy characters to encounter. And I loved all of them, and they all were excellently voice acted. Like, and this is where this is where we meet. Uh, so as uh, Fernandez getting taken to Casa del Toro, uh, we meet Lupe, the calming mm-hmm. goat, played by Kate McKinnon. Incredible performance, okay. incredible characters, and um, she doesn't really seem like the kind of goat that would be a calming goat because she's barely keeping it together. But she's trying to get Ferdinand to take deep, relaxing breaths. It's not really working. Um, and there's some great interaction. She's, she seems to be taking a liking to him physically. Uh, she, she says he has an A plus flank talking about uh, his rear end. Okay. I've got the, um, first of all, Ferdinand says he wants help, help. And Lupe's never, she, Lupe's goal in life to be as a coach. Yeah. And now she's going to get that chance. It looks like, cause Ferdinand needs help. And Lupe said, excited for the first time in her flea bitten, tin chewing life which has been terrible, that she's going to be a coach. And she looks at his pecs. She just sort of almost plays the bongos on it, but she pulls back and she just calls them, they're like two little baby bulls inside of a bull. Flank looks good. A plus on the flank. Mama liked that. And that was mm-hmm. the moment where I'm like, okay, it's is acceptable family-friendly horniness, but every <laughs> John Cena movie we've seen so far has one of these moments where I'm like, hmm... But Lupe wants him to be a fire too, and because all the bulls come out, and like we're back to square one, or are we, Courtney? Well, can I just also say really quick how much I loved all the new characters, especially the one that was voiced by David Tennant, Angus, um, yes. Angus, the Scottish bull, so good in every single situation. I, I just, I just love him. Oops, I just love him so much. I love, yeah, so this is where we, so now we're meeting the adult versions of Ferdinand's crew they grew up with. So yeah, now we're finally getting the, we're getting adult Guapo, as we said, voiced by Peyton Manning, adult, you know, Angus, voiced by David Tennant, um, adult Bones, Anthony Anderson, and of course, adult Valiente, Bobby Carna- Bobby Cannavale, I forget, yeah, yeah, that's him, um, who, incredible casting, it fits, it fits the look and attitude of, uh, Valiente so well, and they still, no pun intended, they still very much have beef, there's definitely tension between, uh, Valiente and Ferdinand, he's not very happy to see, to see his, uh, old friend, we also meet the Hedgehogs, uh, (laughs) Uno, Dos, and Quattro, uh, when, and I love when they, they ask what happened to Trace, and the three of them just immediately go into prayer, and so, Clearly, they don't. Uh, it, that'll be picked up on later in the film. But uh, these poor hedgehogs are missing one of their own. Yes. So uh, Una yeah. is voiced by Gina Rodriguez. Dos mm-hmm. is the magnificent in everything he does because he should be in the Smithsonian himself. David Diggs, and that's coming mm-hmm. from somebody who doesn't even like Hamilton. Um, yeah, and then Quattro is voiced by Gabriel Iglesias, who really makes a lot out of very minimal material sometimes. But before this, Lupe has her first nickname for Ferdinand. She calls him F-bomb. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, they brought in some, like, comedians to punch up the script a little. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But she says uh, to, um, she, um uh, Ferdinand is talking about how much bullying there is here. They hate me. Everybody hates Lupe, it sounds like. And she says, there's a lot of hate, and it crushes your soul if you let yourself think about it. And just, like, sort of existential camera pulls back kind of moment where it's like, Lupe's been through it for a like while while Ferdinand was having his wholesome years, Lupe was just being the 
like hated person there. I think she had stuff thrown at her. Was we also uh so we also meet uh the very cocky German horses. I can't oh, pronounce no. what they are. Uh Andal the Andalusian horses. Um who are very uh you know, they're basically the ones keeping Ferdinand from escaping. And there's there's some funny interactions there. But uh sooner or later we kind of meet our what seems like our new antagonist, El Primero. He is a famous bullfighter. Uh, Lupe is apparently a very, very big fan of his. He has a really funny entrance where he's like bragging, being very arrogant, bragging about how great he is. He brags about his buttocks at one point. We get a yep. nice zoom in on his butt. He, he um, when he when he gets there, somebody says, "Big P is in the house." That is one <laughs> of the things that is said about El Primero's entrance. Um, but one of the things that the hor the uh, Andalusian horses says, which just popped me so much because horse breeding is weird one of them says i bet his parents weren't even related <laughs> <laughs> i did not even catch that but yeah they're the dialogue the dialogue with the andalusian horses is pretty incredible yes the british royal family is now horses that's great um yes <laughs> but um so el primero wants all the best things the best this the best that and he asks moreno the master of the house which is mm -hmm. the best bedroom and moreno says mine and and so, of course, he just basically surrendered his bedroom to this El Primero dude. And, but when Guapo is trying to be a leader and get the gig, he accidentally pukes in a bucket, which we discover is Lupe's bucket. And that was, I'm pretty sure, the same bucket that Ferdinand was walking around with earlier. But um, Lupe mm -hmm. is going to excited. She, she, Lupe is going to watch everything happen. She's in the front row, which Lupe refers to as the splash zone. Because, yes. um... I'm, I'm I I don't want to know really. Um, maybe because let's, let's, let's just say let's say vomit. Yeah, but I assume <laughs> that's why she's talking about it that way. But like, Courtney, does Ferdinand ever want to fight? It's it, how is oh. he dealing with this? He's just trying to help Guapo. <laughs> Poor little thing. Um, this is another part of the movie, like with this scene and the next scene, where I was just like. Ugh. Oh, you're going to rip my heart out. Oh, you're going to rip my heart out every single time. Um, mm -hmm. I also, uh, when we get to the very end, I totally forgot until literally, like, we started watching this and talking about this that I've been to a bullfight. Oh, wow. I completely forgot that it happened because it was terrifying. And so I think I blocked it out of my memory until now. <laughs> but how did it, how did it, how did it compare to the, I was going to say, how does it compare to the bullfights in this film? Not nearly the same. <laughs> not nearly as wholesome, as big, but not as adorable. I wish the bull would have just sat down and looked at a flower at that point. Oh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But he's just trying to help his friend, and even though he, even though he hasn't seen his little little comrades for so long, he's still trying to to kind to everyone and help Guapo get over his uh, crippling fears. And speaking of Guapo, we get one of the funniest slash saddest scenes because. Uh, Guapo thinks Guapo gets picked up uh, <laughs> by a truck and he's like wow I made it I'm going to the big show this is my moment he thinks he's going to the fight yeah. it turns out he's actually going to the chop house we see it's clearly a chop house truck with the outlines about where they chop up the bulls um, is so chop house sad... sorry is chop house a phrase you had heard before for it because I, when this car pulls up and you see it has the outline of each of the cuts of meat I was like Oh crap! He's going to the slaughterhouse. I forgot. And then they called it a yeah. chop house. I'm like, okay, chop house is the PG version of the phrase slaughterhouse, I guess. But did they really call it a chop house in real life? 
heard the phrase before, but now I'm trying to think. I wonder if one is like older phrase and like Slaughterhouse is like they flipped it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe Slaughterhouse is what they used to call it in like the 30s, and now it's now we call them Trap House because yeah. it's a little bit nicer to it's... write on the side of a truck. Yep. And Lupe is like aghast that Ferdinand's not a fighter, and she she's dispo, she's disproven the lore of Ferdinand rampaging through town. And Ferdinand goes, "And I didn't eat a baby," to which Lupe says, "Not even a nibble." It's Kate McKinnon yep. sells that line so well, and it's yeah, she's too good. She's too good at voicing things. But so the camera follows the car. Up the uh, the chop house truck up because right nearby the chop house is like right near Casa del Toro, which is convenient. Yet also, I'm pretty sure Moreno probably has a stake in the chop house. I was like, oh, that's too convenient. They have to be owned by the same dude. Um, and I when it pans over to this like dark, like oppressive looking like gray factory, I was like, that looks like the place from Toy Story Three's ending. Like this is not going to go well. Um, but then Fernand's told you're either a fighter or you're meat. Things have changed mm-hmm. since you left. And Ferdinand is looking out at night and he's sad. And Nina's also looking out at night, sad. To which, but Ferdinand can't sleep because he hears Bones crying. Again, the tears are real. Like, movie is yeah. heavy. <laughs> There's some dark themes. It really is. So, yeah. So, oh, Valiente. Yeah. Valiente's being, you know, being a jerk. He's like, listen, bulls don't have friends for, you know, or I think Bones, that's what Bones is trying to say. He's trying to hide his, uh, yeah. you know, the fact that he's sad, but he's he's just saying, no, it's fine. You got to be tough. Bones uh, claims it's allergies. And Ferdinand's yes. like, yeah, no, no, it's a lot of pollen right now. Like, he like, he goes <laughs> full on, like, understanding allergies, which I got to say, Ferdinand is the most evolved bull there ever was. Uh, but Bones, yeah, Bones says bulls don't have friends. And then Ferdinand goes, it's okay to feel bad, Bones. And it's this movie is continually trying to make you cry, and yeah. good good job because mission accomplished, buddy. Um, and we get the sad look on Ferdinand's face, this defeated look, where Bone says, "If you want to avoid being like El Guapo, you need to get your horns in the game." And before we know it, uh, Lupe has a new nickname for Ferdinand, F Stop. And I don't think I've seen any with a camera yet, so I don't know how she came up with that one. But we meet another. A uh, member of the barnyard gang now. We so meet... this is the bunny, right? Yep. So I forget how we, I forget how they make an entrance or or the bunny's name, but it's bunny. Yeah, we. Yeah, it's just it's just bunny. Like yeah, everyone's kind of saying, "I am this, I am that," and then we hear, "I am a bunny," and I think this is like in the middle of them getting ready to train. There's a great slow motion scene where they're, they're about to crash into the bunny. And and Fernand just manages to use his horns to avoid completely crushing this this adorable animal, um, and yeah. So now we're we're out we're back out in the yard. We have a great moment where uh, Fernand licks Angus's hair up because Angus realized <laughs> Angus is terrible at all this stuff because his huge mane is just covering his eyes. So Angus can finally see. It opens up his whole world. There's a great quote. He's like, "I see a rock. I see another rock. I see the world's ugliest dog." He's Lupe. like, and my ne- and my, <laughs> yes, and my nemesis, which is just a barrel. Um, and Lupe is like, listen, you know, stop helping the competition out. What are you doing? Like, you have to be a bullfighter. And he's like, what are you going to do next? She's like, what are you going to do next? Give Valiente a foot massage? Uh, and 
Ferdinand has a great line. It's like, it's not, it's about more than smashing heads. It's about rhythm and footwork and grace. And speaking of footwork, cut to the dance-off between Thanks Ferdinand it. and the German horses. Before, Loved it. <laughs> but before we get to that, I have to bring up more heartbreaking dialogue because Ferdinand tells uh, Angus about why he helped him. If we don't look out for each other, who will? It wasn't that big of a deal. And then Angus says, it was for me. And that's my Scottish impression, which is terrible. Um, but we had a dance-off between the horses, Ferdinand, and Angus, and Bones. And then there's the other bull, Makina, who is, yes. um, I guess, Arlie, Ermy, and Full Metal Jacket kind of vibes from this bull. It's very stoic, and I, I'm pretty sure it's clenching its jaw so much it's going to need some dental work later. But then the horse, it's like, Describe this dance-off. Can somebody help me out here? Because there's so much going on. I missed a couple things, I bet. It's just like, it's it's a wonderfully silly, synchronized sort of dance-off with like, kind of weirdly effeminate horses doing mm -hmm. ballet and also like random fancy dancing. And then all of the bulls have their own special style, which I liked. The the breakdancing horse and the, the, the random breakdancing bull and the I don't know, just all the different styles. It was very, very silly, and I could just imagine... I was watching it, and I was like, oh, this must have killed it in the theater with little kids. They were probably mm -hmm. hissing themselves, laughing so hard with dancing animals, because that is always a sell. Dancing animals always works. And honestly. then the electrocuted... Ho the horses actually accidentally get electrocuted, because one of the plot points of the movie is that the fence is electrocuted, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. one of the horses says, I've fallen, and I can't giddy up. <laughs> yeah, yep. I'm like what a, what a, my favorite part is the the hedgehogs dancing along and they mm -hmm. hit their with the corn and they accidentally hit it and it hits the electric fence and it turns into popcorn. That's, yep. That was great. That was great. Love that. Naturally, as one does. Um but we get back to Ferdinand talking to Valiente again. According to my notes, am I missing anything before that or is No, yeah, I, I think that's where we're at. I think, you know, mm -hmm. This is where Ferdinand's like, Ferdinand doesn't want anyone to get picked because he realizes like they all die no matter what. Uh, there's really no way to win. He basically says that the, the ring is just another chop house and he really wants to just get everyone out. And I think we later get to, correct me if I'm wrong, I have in my notes that it turns out Primero wants Ferdinand as to be his bull. Well, um, yeah, we get to this like, they're, they're all roughhousing because... Valiente tells Ferdinand, you think you're better, but you're not. And, yep. like, Ferdinand is, like, trying to escape. And so he bargains with Una, Dos, and Quattro, Quattro by giving them the one thing that Quattro wants more than anything else. A, a, a like, a battery-operated dancing su plastic sunflower that plays the Macarena, I believe, is the song. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. And then, so the hedgehogs help the gang try to escape. Um, Ferdinand cannot be um, subtle or quiet for his own to save himself, so they put like little gloves, including a rubber glove, on his hooves, which makes a fart noise when they're walking around the hallway. Again, <laughs> kids must have loved that, and so did this kid. Alt. Um, yep. But then when they're in the hallway, this is when the real sads come in because oh, Ferdinand yeah. stops when he looks up and he sees a black and white photo of his dad. He can tell it's his dad. Lupe doesn't know. But Lupe's like, do you know? And Ferdinand goes, my father. Or he said something like that. And then we learn or figure out if it wasn't 
clear at this point, but El Primero was the bullfighter that Ferdinand's dad lost, quote-unquote, lost to. And then the camera pans up, and we see Ferdinand's father's horns, and about 30 more pairs of horns above it, because El Primero is a... He's, like, I think he's... not a good guy. No, no, I just think, like, are we going to get El Primero, the uh, anime, the uh, live-action movie in 30 years? Like, how is Disney going to repackage this animal hater as a yeah. anti-hero? Uh, did yeah. Bulls kill El Primero's father? Who knows? We'll get, we'll get, we'll get his origin story on Disney Plus, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But um, the bull never wins, is what I believe um, mm-hmm. Ferdinand says. And then, but he decides he shouldn't leave. He should help all the bulls, and we need to avoid anybody getting on the walls. And then, but Valiente doesn't buy it, and he wants to fight Ferdinand. And this is where El Primero sees them fight, because one of Valiente's horns accidentally breaks off in the scuffle. And that's mm-hmm. when El Primero goes... Like, when Vince McMahon probably saw John <laughs> Cena and was like, that is the one. He um, El Primero points at Ferdinand and shoes him um, like the worst Pokemon trainer ever, if we want to use another yeah. metaphor. Um but that's when it all happens, and off goes Valiente to the chop shop. But, which, but Ferdinand isn't isn't gonna let him. He's gonna get him. Mm-hmm. And the horses they try to talk the men to helping. And does anybody remember how the Hagen Dazs pun happens? Because I just have it written oh God, down. No. The horses at some point say, "Let's Hagen Dazs it out," uh, to hug that's it out, which I don't, pretty incredible. But the hedgehogs, yeah, no, I, no, I just, I will say the, uh, yeah, this whole, the whole chop house rescue scene is, is pretty fantastic. So, yeah, uh, yeah, eventually, uh, Ferdinand and the crew, they get to the chop house and we see that, oh, surprise, Guapo's alive. He's, he's just, he's like probably, probably minutes away from getting chopped up at this point, but they manage to save him. They start making a run for it. Uh, there's a really fun escape scene here, and just when just when things start to get a little sticky and it looks like they're not going to make it, it's actually Valiente that saves the day and gets Guapo and uh, and Fernand out of a little pickle. Uh, there's a lot of fun little moments. They're like getting trying to avoid all the pitfalls of the chop house. They go through this one section where it's they actually it's like a massage. They're like, oh wow, this actually feels really nice. <laughs> um, little fun moment between Fernand and Valiente. It was like a tenderizer, basically. Like, I think yes. it was a tenderizer, but then there's a uh, buzzsaw. Then, yes, there's a buzzsaw, and then on their way out, uh, the bunny, there's a funny scene where kind of the uh, the bunny faints, uh, but luckily, Machinus just makes their own defib- defibril- <laughs> defibrillator uh, with their hands and just brings revives the bunny, and at this point, we're kind of off to the races. Uh, the crew is kind of making this escape, trying to make their way to Madrid, and we get a lot of fun hijinks along the way. We get one of my favorite Angus lines of the whole movie, Courtney, when because they're all in broad daylight running around traffic, and Angus can finally see the world for what it is. And he asks, What part of Scotland is this? <laughs> it's like, uh, but and they all, good. Yeah, good. they all form their own lane, they all create their own lanes because they're bulls, like they're running through traffic. And then mm-hmm. again, Angus saving the movie practically. Um, Ferdinand to the bus that's headed to the Atocha train station and he goes the train and Angus goes are you blind laddie that's a bus and they all <laughs> pack into the back of a bus 
And I enjoy how this is a bullfighting movie that's like set in Spain, but there's about ten different accents happening at any given moment with all the all the different characters. I was like, oh, this is great. There's just randomly Scottish bulls and lots of stuff. I just thought it was cute. It's importing. It's all good. Um, oh, yeah, it's great. It's so, great. but Mike, at least I didn't make John Cena try and do a Spanish accent. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, it been worse. Oh, so I'm okay. I'm good with what they did. There's this big, there's this big montage of like being covert and sneaky and stuff, and the hedgehogs really show their help by like figuring out what track to go on. But eventually, Ferdinand gets captured again, Courtney, and he has to do the dance with El Primero. But Nina's oh. dad sees it on TV, and he tells Nina about it. And this is the question I have: Was this a good parenting call by Nina's dad? Like, should he have actually done anything here? Hmm. I mean, in terms of a children's movie, of course. <laughs> because they knew that they were going to come and try and save the day. But in terms of real-life parenting, I don't know if I'd be like, hey, your beloved childhood bull is about to get killed on TV. Let me inform you of this and what have you not. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's like, I, yeah, I appreciate his honesty. Yeah. But, uh... That's she. He's potentially subjecting her to a lot if the if the fight does not go well. She's like what ten, maybe. Yeah, she's little. She's a child. We so just much. But I guess through the first half of this movie, you're thinking like, oh, there's dead parents and also uh, chop house uh, bulls that you already <laughs> are beloved character. So yeah, might not throw some more childhood trauma in there by watching your beloved pet die. But Ferdinand is actually going to go out there because. El Primero is entering the arena and they open Ferdinand's door, but he barely even walks out. He trots mm -hmm. and El Primero waits and Ferdinand doesn't really want to do anything. He's barely doing anything. And these other, this is an irregularity where he's confused. So all these assistant bullfighters come out and poke and they threaten him with spears and one pokes Ferdinand into action. Yes. Really sad. Yeah. And Mike, mm -hmm. how does that go from there? Oh, so then, you know, finally, Ferdinand's kind of moving around the ring. Romero's trying to attack him. Ferdinand's trying to dodge. And then we reach a turning point because Ferdinand gets cut. He he started, he's busted open. He's drawing blood, as they say in the business. Um, and this obviously sets off his natural instinct to fight back. Uh, and it kind of activates his rage. And before you know it, Ferdinand has Primero by his horns, pretty much holding up his, you know, holding him up by the shirt. And is like ready to kill. And then, of course, a callback to Ferdinand's favorite thing and who he is as a person. He sees a rose, has a change of heart, remembers that he's not this murderous fighting bull. So he kind of just yields. He backs off, sits down. And uh, where do we go from there? Courtney, you want to take it from here? Oh, he sits down and it just smells the flower and is transported back to his like original flower garden where he he's just happy and loving and has like a a beautiful like uh, adult movie flashback moment right before the mm -hmm. big event um which i thought was very sweet and then he just puts puts him down very softly and isn't gonna hurt him um and i thought it was they this is pretty much exactly how not exactly how the book goes but in the book they uh he doesn't get a flower in the arena or in the ring or whatever it is called um, he notices all the beautiful flowers in the women's hair that are sitting around the front row and he can smell all the flowers that they're wearing. And that's why he just decides like, 
I'm done and just sits down. So they don't in the book, they don't attack him really at all. He just kind of doesn't move and they can't do anything about it. And so they just kind of give up. Whereas this had a lot more action to it and stuff, which I was like, oh, this is a perfect way to make it into a kid's movie. And then yeah. El Primero yep. is like, yeah, takes out his sword. He walks away and comes back. Because El Primero is like, uh, I think I have to do my stereotypical duty here. He gets the sword out. Mm -hmm. He presents it. And then a whistling. The crowd does not, because Ferdinand just goes on his hind legs. Like, and we, yeah, we get, a, we get a let him live chant from the crowd. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they don't want to, you know, they love Ferdinand. They don't want to see him die. And eventually that, you know, they convince El Primero not to do it. Lupe, Lupe blows the whistle. Uh, so the match is officially over. They spare Ferdinand. Uh, Nina comes out, gives Ferdinand a big hug. Again, very wholesome, very happy moment. Valiente shouts out, hey, Flower Boy did it. You know, they're all amazed that he's alive. And um, it's just a very, yeah, it's a very happy ending. He's reunited with his family and lots of good feelings. And all the bulls go home with um, Juan and Nina because yeah. now if they're going to adopt one bull, why not adopt the entire farm? And Paco goes, holy moly, you multiplied uh, to this new <laughs> onslaught of bulls. And then, of course, Ferdinand and Paco have their typical repartee. And Ferdinand goes, the tail don't lie, brother, looking at how he's really excited. Paco is really to see him. And then earlier on, at some point, uh, Ferdinand was talking to Lupe about like how great Nina is and he, Nina goes what's love? So when Nina hugs Lupe and is this moment of wholesomeness to it because Nina's never had somebody show her affection ever. Mm. Nina says sorry Lupe says is this love? I love love and oh. all the bulls join Ferdinand on his little hill and mm. roll credits until yeah, this is the first film, I think, in our series with a mid credit scene, uh, and the hedgehogs find their lost brother, Trace, Walks who is up. played by... I was about to say, do we know, we know Trace is... I don't, I don't even know if Trace is credited, but, but we finally find Trace. I don't know if Trace said anything. Like, I thought I saw a shot, a green hedgehog appeared. Uh, Ferdinand, yeah. Trace... I don't even know if there is... There is a cast again. Is you just see you just see Trace finally appear. So yeah. another another feel good ending this time for our hedgehogs. And there you have it. Um, so, Courtney, if you were gonna if if you were gonna think about recommending this movie to somebody outside of a bubble, because when we g give these things ratings, we're comparing them to the long litany of John Cena's acting <laughs> career, and that's why let's say a. Uh, Scooby-Doo WWE John Cena movie might get a pretty good rating, even if it's not the best Scooby-Doo episode. Mm -hmm. How would you, let's say, on a scale of one knuckle shuffle to five knuckle shuffles, how <laughs> would you rate this movie in a vacuum, in a, in turn of itself? Oh, I think it's probably like a like a solid four. Like a, you know, it's a very cute kids movie. If you have kids, it's cute. If you're an adult, it's still cute. It's not like overly, like, it doesn't dumb things down too much where you're just like rolling your eyes the whole time. Like there's actual points of like genuine emotion where I felt sad <laughs> about like this animated bull. Um, and I was like, oh, that's, that's really sweet. And I didn't feel like it was like too hokey. 
I guess. I thought they did a good job. Because like I said at the beginning, I don't know how they were going to adapt a book that's barely got content. I mean, it's a very short picture book. So I didn't understand how they could make this a two-hour movie <laughs> uh, or whatever, however long it was, 90 minutes, I think, something like that. Um, but I thought it was a really a good watch. It's a nice, a nice, sweet movie with a nice, sweet ending where bad things are implied to be happening but don't actually end up being seen through so kids of all ages can actually watch it and not get traumatized unlike you know brave little toaster or something like that <laughs> mike do you because actually i'm with courtney i think this is actually a yeah. four for me so yeah i mostly agree i, I was actually sitting between a 3.5 and a four i mm -hmm. agree with everything courtney said i think it's an incredibly fun wholesome movie genuinely funny I think well written. It also needs to be said. I think this film is absolutely gorgeous. Yep. It's yeah. obviously it's it's you it's the only kind of animated CGI film in in the series we're covering. But it's I thought the animation was so well done, so beautiful to look at. Um, and it's just yeah, I think it is. It's a great kids movie that I think we all enjoyed as adults. I will say my one nitpick. So yeah, in a vacuum, I think it's absolutely a four. My one weird nitpick is like, I thought John Cena did great in this movie, but compared, it's not. It doesn't feel like a, a a great John Cena movie, if that makes any sense, where he's like, he kind of blends into that role of just the wholesome main character. Whereas some of these other movies have these really funny John Cena-isms where there's some more like self-aware humor about who he, who he is. Um, but it, granted, it's not really his fault because he's playing, this is an animated film where he's playing a bull. So you could only kind of, he can only get so much of himself in there and he still does. And I still think he does a good job. Um, so yeah, it's it's almost like I kind of missed. I wish there were more kind of goofy Cena isms in this. If this, that that made any sense, but yeah, on its own, I thought it was a great movie. I thought I thought John gave a great performance as Ferdinand, and yeah, I would totally agree with four. I think I think with him being the main character in this too is like makes it different compared to like other John Cena movies where he's like the scene stealer and just shows yeah. up in like Sisters and like other random movies where you're like, well, this is clearly the best part of the movie because John Cena has shown up. Whereas, like, you're with him this entire movie, and there's so many... Another thing about this one that's kind of enjoyable for adults is, like, there's so many good voice actors and comedians that I was like, whose voice is that? And I was, like, trying to remember who was, like, whose voice it was before I Wikipedia'd it and looked it up. So I think that, that helps, too, with being an adult and enjoying it. Agreed. And I just think that the um, animation and the character design for Ferdinand is actually amazing. I think his face, and particularly his, like, snout, is just there's something about it that's really just wholesome and winningly like it's a lot of the times when they like make these animals sentient and have them talk it doesn't really you either make them too human or not and this still feels like a bull that you just can translate automatically i guess um mm -hmm. watching the trailer below us i just noticed a scene a still from a scene that i have to mention it's why i would round up to a four is the moment where uh ferdinand tucks nina into bed and he leans over to like sort of like snuggle with her, but he's like over, like he's four fifths of the screen basically. <laughs> and uh, Juan looks in, and, and and it's just like this adorable but sort of comically done. Like the sight gags in this movie, I think, are pretty well done. And um, yeah, I think when we get to eventually, we're gonna say, is this better than that? And we're gonna sort of like round out. Maybe we'll bring it down or up. Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, next up. We've got blockers. We're still trying to find the time for that episode, uh, which date to run it on. Um, then Bumblebee playing with fire, F9, and the Suicide Squad. And we're getting we're getting dangerously close to uh, 
yeah, to being caught up to yeah present day. Um, but day. Co- Courtney reference there are these movies where John Cena only appears in a tiny moment. And uh, Courtney, one of our shared friends in common, wanted us to cover one of those movies. Um, could you guess who was trying to get us to cover Daddy's Home 2? Oh, I, I I don't wanna know, do I? It was Eddie. Of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, um that movie John <laughs> Cena shows up maybe an hour and twenty minutes in, I think. And up until then it's all Mel Gibson practically, or like very much Mel Gibson. So I think if we do cover that scene, I'm thinking it would be a part of an episode where we don't watch the movie outside of the John Cena scene and we review the John Cena scene without context. I think that would be the way to get these things done. Um, But thank y'all for joining us for Cenophiles today. Um, If you want to stay in touch with this wonderful human being, glowing beam of light, you can see her socials right below, right there. And um, stay tuned for the next episode of Cenophiles. We'll let you know where it is. And of course, you know this if you're not watching us live. We're on YouTube. We're on podcatchers everywhere. Just search Cenophiles. It's like Cenophiles, but with an E. And that's it for now. Join us next time on Cenophiles. Bye.